0: Sometimes we have to remind ourselves of that truth, don't we? Uh, That he really is a good, good father. Because sometimes life can be difficult. Anybody amen right there? Uh, I want to just, if I could tonight, uh, this evening rather, share with you a little bit about this morning. I'm going to get it right in a minute. Uh, About something that whether you've had it happen or it's yet to happen, it's going to happen. And that is um, what I'm going to call this morning uh, crisis. All right, crisis. How many of you say that somewhere along the journey so far, Uh, After having children, you have faced some form of crisis. Raise your hand if you've found some some form of crisis. Now, let me give you a quick definition. A crisis is a crucial or I'm going to give you three quick definitions. A crucial or decisive point or situation, especially a difficult or unstable situation involving an impending change. Something's changed, something hard, something difficult, all right? Second definition, a sudden change in the course of of a disease or fever, toward either improvement or deterioration. There's been a crisis. Or there's there's one definition, and then another one: an emotionally stressful event or traumatic change in a person's life. The crisis may have been a diagnosis. The crisis may have been a loss of a, a parent, loved one, uh, loss of a of a child, a spouse. It could have been a divorce. It could have been a death of a spouse. Um, all kinds of. Crisis happened along the journey. Funny thing, when we're parents of young children, small children, uh, crisis are things like running out of diapers and wipes. You agree with that? You don't think that's a crisis? Let one have one of those blowout kind of diapers. Y'all know what I'm, y'all know what I'm speaking about? Blowout, y'all you know what a blowout diaper is? Come on, not if you don't. Know I don't want to go in details. I'm trying to move on. Uh, those blowout diapers go out the side of their legs, come up their back. You know, it's all over their clothes. And, so you, and then you go and you look and you realize it in your diaper bag and you're always going to be somewhere where a lot of people are around. You have no more wipes. You're out of wipes. And boy, you've got a situation, a crisis on your hand. But as they get older, you find different types of crisis. Maybe they've had an accident on their bicycle or outside playing, and you got to scoop them up and hurry them to the emergency room. And, boy, those can be some crisis. Tina and I have had some of our most um, interesting conversations on the way to the emergency room. Her telling me to slow down, me not being kind in my response, and it just has been some kind of difficult moments, you know, on the way to the emergency room with our little ones along the way. Broken arms, stitches, all kinds of, in the moment when they're little, you, they're, they're very much crisis. Would you agree with that? And they're crisis, things that cause challenge in the moment. Yet as they get older, you find out that the challenges in the crisis can be even greater, it was, uh, I believe it was the year, it was the end of 2017, rather, or the beginning of 2018. Uh, I had gone home for lunch to change clothes or something, and as I was there, uh, we get a phone call from the principal's office. Now, you ever get a phone call from the principal's office, they generally don't call you in the middle of the day to say, hey, uh, I, Mr. Terry, I just want to let you know that your child is doing excellent. Just want to call you in the middle of the day and let you know that everything's going so well. That generally doesn't happen. So as we get this phone call, the principal goes on to tell us, and Tony and I are pretty good friends. He says, hey, I, I need you to come up to the school. And I, I could tell in his voice that it was not, um, come up to the school, we're going to talk about grades because, well, all the kids had, the, at, at, the, at the least they had Bs. Mostly A's, a few B's sprinkled in. So I'm thinking, it can't be aggressive. And I said, well, can I ask what? And he said, no, I'd rather you just come on and let's talk about when you get here. Listen, when you hear that, it does something in your heart, doesn't it? So we're on our way there, and Tina and I on our way there. We we get there, and we come into the we get up to the principal's office. And you know, when you walk into the office, and they get that look, you know, everybody has this look on their face, and you're thinking, what are they looking like this for? And and you ease on into the principal's office. And when you go in, the principal's there, the the um, assistant principals there, two counselors are there, and your oldest daughter are there. And you're thinking, what in the world? You know, first of all, you feel like you 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 outnumbered. And uh, so we go in and sit down, and and the and Tony begins to just share with us a little bit about what's happened with our oldest daughter, Maddie. And he begins to say a little of the story of what's happened. She has been she was missing that afternoon. She didn't come into class, and she was late. And so because she was late, you can't just go into the classroom like you could when I was growing up. But you have to go check in. You have to go get back signed back in. The door's locked, if you will. And so because of that, at that moment, she instead decided to go to the counselor's office. And just began to tell us, uh, tell the counselor everything that we were about to find out. And so we're listening. I'm still, in the moment, I'm thinking, this has got to be a dream. You ever find yourself there? This can't be real. Because this daughter has never been in trouble, never given us trouble. She's a straight-A student. She didn't have any B's. Um, and so, you know, and we're just, and so we're just kind of waiting for the... Uh, the shooter drop. find out what's going on. And so as they begin to tell us that she in fact had left the school that day to go into Jackson and to put her hands on some drugs. I-, I remember sitting in that moment and thinking to myself, there is no way on God's green earth that what they're saying to me is true. Here's why it was hitting me in the moment. Uh, my biological father I did not meet until I was 41 years old because of addiction. Uh, my mother and my dad, my, I don't call him stepdad. That's a term I, I'll never use because he raised me. Uh, that's my dad. And so as uh, their their history with, with children, they both struggled with alcohol and prescription medication. So it was, it was chaos in the home. And so one of the commitments I had made, I hate to say it, but to myself. Is that, you ever make a commitment to yourself? Like, I'm not going to do this. The commitment that I made to myself was that my children would never be exposed to and experience the pain that addiction had caused me as a little guy and all the way up through the adult years. And so, it was, I remember there's no way under the sun that this has happened. And they begin to tell us it's, it's more than just, you know, and you're thinking, okay, there's this one-time slip-up thing. But then he goes on to say that we've, we've talked to her, and we want you to know this is unusual but, but Maddie thinks she needs some help and begins to talk about how long it's been going on and all that it involves. And I'm telling you, it is as if somebody reached in and grabbed my heart and pulled it out of my chest. I felt like I couldn't breathe. You, ever had, you, you may not have experienced moments like that, uh, but there's a chance, I won't say high probability, but there's a chance that as a parent, a grandparent, somewhere down the road you may have moments like that ahead of you. So as I sat there and processed that, I, it was as if I was as if the only person in the room, and I'm certain that Tina felt the same way. We talked about it later. And it began a journey in our life that we never thought we would be facing. Now, can I just tell you that that was, up to the point in my life, the greatest crisis that I had ever faced. She said, wait a minute now. Uh, didn't your mom attempt suicide three times before you were 11? Yeah, she did. Uh, and it was very painful, but it paled in comparison to knowing that my baby... Uh, was struggling with something that I knew was so um i don 't know what the right word is so so dangerous for her. Uh, you say, well, wasn't it wasn't it hard for you to to, to to drive away from the rehabs that your mom was in growing up? Yeah, it was terribly hard for a little boy to get back in the car with his daddy and siblings and drive home crying all the way home because gonna, you know, we weren't gonna see mom again until maybe the next Sunday on visitation day in the six or seven or eight rehabs that she was in. And I say, yes, that was a very painful thing it was, but it paled in comparison to driving my baby to four hours away in Louisiana and dropping her off. And driving back home with my wife in silence, uh, all the way home, four hour ride, not a word spoken, just tears, you know, just, just, all I could do, I remember, was just say, Help, Lord, that's all I could get out. I couldn't go into any long, uh, drawn out prayers. Um, it paled in comparison to the pain of hearing a night or two in uh, the phone rings and, uh, uh, you know, you, you feel like there's some, uh, the crisis is sort of under control, and okay, things are going to turn, everything's going to be perfect, and the, like, you get a phone call at about 11 o'clock uh, on on that night that you've gone home, you're, you've you watched your wife cry herself to sleep, it's about 11:15 ish and the phone rings, and you see on your phone that it is, in fact, the, the, the rehabilitation center where she is, and you know again that people don't call you at 11 o'clock at night, 11.30 at night, to tell you, hey, Mr. Fent, we just want you to know that Maddie's doing really, really well. We're, things are going great. That's not the phone call that you get at 11.30 at night. I remember being petrified in the moment, saying, what in the world am I about to find? So I hit the answer button, of course, and I, I began to listen, and the voice on the other end of the line says to me, uh, just a day or so after dropping her off, um, is, is this Mr. Fent? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just, I wanted to call you and let you know that we can't find Maddie. And I remember thinking, having again that feeling of somebody reaching into my chest and and, and just squeezing my heart, you know, in every direction. I felt like I couldn't breathe. And and I remember thinking, well, this is one of those times where because of the anxiety and stress of the moment, surely I've just gone to sleep. And this isn't a reality. Good night. We have $6,000 and you're the number one place recommended. And you had all the staff and you know how to, you're dealing with people that struggle this way. And there's no way you've lost my baby, especially with me four and a half hours away. And I remember that moment feeling more helpless than I've ever felt before. And as a parent, let me say to you uh, that if you hadn't already, there will be some times ahead of you that you will feel absolutely helpless in the situation that you're facing. So I remember thinking next to myself, well, I I said a few things to him, very pointed things as a daddy, uh, and I said, I need to know what is your plan to find my baby uh, and they began to say, "We've got the police looking, what have you, what have you." So then we get off the phone, and I remember then having to wake up my wife, uh, and I remember thinking to myself, "This is uh, going to be difficult, right?" And I remember because she just cried, her- she just cried herself to sleep finally, and so as I I, I remember shaking her and, and-, and fi- trying to formulate the words to say to her what they had said to me, um, I will never forget the the way we've got one of those mattresses that that it's it's not. It's not a pillow top, it's not in that comfort control and all that, but it's made to where like when you get up on one side, you don't feel it on the other. You know what I'm talking about? Like because uh, we don't like waking each other up. So anyway, uh, I'll never forget the feeling of that bed vibrating with her uh, sobs that night. You know you, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like that bed is made to not f- show feeling, but I could feel every tremble uh, in her body that night. I, I want you to know that sometimes as a parent, uh, there's a, there is the potential in your life ahead of you some very difficult moments as a, as a, as a mama and a daddy and a grandmama and a granddaddy, a single mama or a single daddy. And because of that, to not, to what I want to do this morning is share with you a little encouragement as to what God did and how he helped us as we face that crisis. And what I hope to do is pass on to you, not that you are assured going to go through that. Matter of fact, I'm praying hard uh, that you never have to go through that, but you are going to go through some forms of crisis. Why? Uh, Will it be a direct reflection on your parenting? Not always. Sometimes, but not always. It'll be a direct reflection on the fact that we are fallen people living in a fallen world and so most assuredly in your path there are some crises. so what I'd like to do is kind of walk through some truths from the word of God that sustained us and got us to a place of peace in the midst of that kind of storm would that be all right y'all go with me on that journey did you get an outline Did everybody get an outline if you did not get an outline will you hold your hand up and I don't know how we'll get one to you anybody not have one raise your hand Oh, sweet. Thank you all for for doing that, I'm Making sure that everybody had one. All right. Uh, Let's look, if you will, at number one. And and, and so today won't necessarily be an expository type of message, um, but I do want to draw your attention to Micah chapter number seven. All right? Micah chapter seven. What's happened in Micah chapter seven? um, Israel and the world is in a very difficult position, okay? Uh, Matter of fact, chapter seven, verse one says this. Listen to what the prophet Micah says. Woe is me. Uh, he's talking about the condition of the world, the condition of the leadership of God's people. Uh, in other words, it's, a, it's somewhat of a crisis situation. Are you all tracking with me? He's woeing the crisis of the culture, the crisis of the leadership, the crisis of God's people. And in the midst of that, there's some things that we can, you and I can extract and look at that can also give us peace and strength and courage for the journey. And when and if, I'll, I'm going to say when. You face crisis no matter what level it is or what specific thing it is that God would give this back to you and you'd be reminded. Not just that, you'd share this information with your friends because life is full of crisis. Do you know that about life? It's full of crisis. All right, so first thing I want you to see is found down in verse number 7. All right? And so in verse number 7, he talks about uh, the fact that in the midst of all that's going on, the woes of the faithful man has perished, and only unfaithful men are, are here, and, and all the success of the evil people around him. In verse number seven, he says, and here's an anchor for the storm. Here's what you anchor to when uh, when life becomes difficult. Here it is, verse number seven. As a parent, as a grandparent, uh, and, and by the way, uh, nothing will touch your heart like your children will touch your heart. It's one thing, I thought, I thought seeing with that with my mom would have been the most you know, touching, painful thing, but I'll tell you something, there's a whole different level when it's your baby. Have you learned that? You know, your husband skins his knee, you may not even ask him, is he all right? <laughs> but your baby skins her knee, and boy, I'm telling you what, you'll hurt yourself getting to him. Uh, you may not ask your wife, is she thirsty, but man, when you see your little baby girl looking, you know, you say, oh, you're thirsty, baby, let me get you something to drink. And so it's just a level that touches us, and so because of that, because of that, when crisis strikes in the life of our children, or even in our relationship as we're raising children, it hits a different way. Okay. So, verse number seven. What did he, what did what did Micah say that he was going to do in the midst of all the culture and all the difficulty and all the crisis around him? Verse number seven. He says, "Therefore, I will look." You ready to self-help books and Dr. Phil and these popular people on TikTok? Heaven's no. He said, "I will look." Come on, somebody to the Lord. I'm going to draw all my attention, all my affection, all my instruction, all my peace, all my what I need. I'm going to find it in the Lord. And Then he says, listen to this. I will, and you want to talk about difficult, I will, he goes on to say, I will wait for the God of my salvation. I'm a little bit hot to me. Am I a little bit hot to y'all? Yeah, just a little bit. It's okay. You're not going to hurt my feelings. No, it's all right. Okay. It's a little bit hot to me. So we're good. We'll we'll leave where it is. Listen to what he says. I'm going to wait. Now, let me tell you what. What? I hated the most about the circumstance with Maddie was waiting for the healing. I remember uh, crying out to God, and in my, in my woundedness, I remember saying this to God. You want to talk about pride? I remember saying, talk about selfish. I remember saying to God in brokenness, Lord, I just want her to be better because I want to keep doing what I'm doing. I want to keep preaching. I want to keep love, I want to keep, and I don't feel like doing it right now. And if I'm just burying my soul to you, I really wasn't waiting on the Lord. I just wanted him to do something and do it now so that life could get easier again. And what we learn, though, instead is that what Micah says is I look at the crisis of the culture and I look at the crisis in homes and I look at the crisis maybe even in my own life, what I'm going to do is I'm going to not look to the world for answers. I'm not going to look to uh, uh, some sort of substance, alcohol, or some kind of medication. I'm not going to look to another woman, another man. Uh, God, I'm going to look to you for what I need in the middle of my crisis. And, and, I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to wait on your timing. Oh, you want to talk about hard 52 days? 52 days and somebody else has got your baby? 52 days of, I, I remember at one point coming in the house and, and I couldn't find Anna Grace. And I'm thinking, what in the world, where's she at? And so finally I'm walking around the house and I knew that she was there and I finally as I went toward the, the, the side of the house where the kids' bedrooms are, we were walking that way and I could hear some, some sniffling and, and finally as I got closer I realized it was crying, it was sobbing. And so I'm looking down in her bedroom and she's not there and I'm looking in Brooklyn's bedroom and she's not there. And so I go in Maddie's bedroom and there's baby sister sprawled out across the bed, sobbing uncontrollably in the waiting. Uh, The waiting of the crisis, I want to say to you, is one of the most difficult places you'll ever find yourself, especially when it is your child that's struggling. And I want to promise you something. I'm going to promise you something. Your children are going to struggle. Struggle. Everything you've heard this weekend, everything you've heard this weekend is about the fact that you still have the potential to give them the greatest capabilities and the greatest statistics and the greatest uh, average of facing those struggles and coming out uh, the other side. But at the same time, even with your best efforts, we're still living in a fallen world full of fallen people. And we also are those, I wish y'all would help me right here, we are also those fallen people. And so, I'm reminding you what I started with this weekend when I said to you, sometimes we feel like a failure. I can remember thinking, man, I have failed my baby. The one thing I said I was going to protect her from that has ravished my own life, I'm going to to protect her from, and there it was, staring me in the face. And I remember in those times uh, just calling out to, to God and, and knowing that uh, my only hope was for him to speak to me and, and yet waiting was the most difficult thing that we did. And yet what He's saying, what Mike is saying is, God, I am going to wait on you. And so in the middle of our suffering in the middle of our struggle and difficulty uh, I want to just give you that number 1 in your outline there is to seek God. Now now why would I say something so simple and so straightforward is because the tendency in those moments because of our flesh in crisis is to back away from God. Our tendency is to back away from the church. You with me? Uh, I remember not wanting to preach for the first time in, in, since I began the journey. I remember not wanting to be around people. I remember not wanting to have people ask me questions. I remember not wanting to stand up here and have to face the congregation and tell them what was going on uh, so that a bunch of rumors weren't flying around about my, about, that weren't true. I wanted to hit it at the pass. I, I remember uh, not wanting to continue on and yet, and yet knowing that I still had to personally force myself. You all with me? to my time in the word with the Lord as the day began. And I believe this right now. I believe this with all my heart. If, if he had not sustained me there, I'd not be here today. And I don't know where Maddie would be today. And I don't know where Morgan would be today. And Swayze would be today. And Matthew would be today. And I don't know where Tina would be today. Had he not met me there each and every morning, even the times when I didn't necessarily want him to meet me there. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm, here's my Bible, bam. I'm, I'm at my place where I meet with God and I'm snatching it open and I'm doing it because I know I need to do it. But in my mind, I'm thinking, I can't believe this has happened. I can't believe this has happened. And why? Woe is me. And why can't things just be like they're supposed to be? And all I've done is tried to serve God. you, God. Ever, you ever found yourself right there? And yet he met me there with grace and mercy each and every time, 52 days. Uh, we, had, we went so long without being able to see it all. Finally, we could go down for three hours. Uh, on Sunday, you don't talk about fitting that into a preaching schedule and uh, driving four hours away and, and, uh, and, and, and all the complexities of every time you go, you've got to leave her again. And yet, seeking the Lord was the one anchor that held Tina and I uh, and even drew us closer together as time went on. So when crisis comes into your life, I want to just encourage you to hear my voice, hear the Spirit of God say to you that isolation from God and from the people of God is the breeding ground for defeat. If you want to, if you want to assure yourself of addiction, if you want to assure yourself depression and anxiety, if you want to go ahead and sign up for uh, defeat on every level, then what you need to do, here's the battle plan, retreat from God and retreat from God's people. And there's a guaranteed platform of destruction and defeat that's waiting for you away from God. So, if that should come your way, what is, the, what is the imperative? Seek the Lord. Keep seeking the Lord and wait on him, all right? A couple of verses I'm going to give you. Well, we looked at Micah 7, 7. One more verse I want to give you, and we're going to see how these two parallel each other. James chapter 4, verse number 8, James says, draw near to God. And what will God do? Draw near to you. I'm going to say um, that I had an attitude in my heart that nobody else could see but God that wasn't a very pretty attitude, that wasn't a very attractive attitude, It wasn't a very pleasant attitude. Now, you've probably never had that, but in that season I did, and probably for the first time in um, much of my journey with Jesus, and I still am amazed that he kept on meeting with me, that he kept on pursuing me, That he didn't look down and say, boy, you've got a terrible attitude, get out of my sight, because I've said that to my own kids before. (laughs) But that he, every time, would meet with me and and minister to me in my my own selfish attitude. So draw near to God. What am I going to do when when, when crisis hits? I'm going to draw near, I'm going to seek God, and God promises to draw near to me. Number two in your notes there, and this is, if we follow through the outline of Micah, I'm going to look down in Micah chapter 7, verse 9, and there's a there's a second point here I want you to write, and, and, or you see there in your, in your outline, and it says, can you all read that with me? So one thing I'm going to do is seek the Lord, right? But the second thing I'm going to do in parenting through crisis, I'm going to own our, our, isn't that fun? Don't you love owning up to stuff? Didn't you love it as a kid? Didn't you love it as a, you it as a young adult? Yeah, or maybe a middle-aged adult, or an older adult. It's always fun, isn't it, to admit where you've messed up? Except it really isn't. And so, as we consider life and and the journey of parenting, uh, one of the things that will help us uh, in the journey is to own our own sinfulness listen to what Micah says in chapter 7 verse 9 now I'm going to read on down in verse number 8 he says do not rejoice over me my enemy when I fall I will arise remember he said I'm looking at this crisis of the culture I'm looking at the crisis within the people of God and he says I will I'm not going to allow myself to be fallen and, and isolated and defeated I will rise I will sit in darkness and the Lord will be even in darkness the Lord will be a light for me isn't that beautiful And I'm going to tell you something. In that dark hour of our life, the Lord was a light for me. He was a light for Tina, a light for Maddie. Uh, One of the darkest moments, I guess, was one of the times when Maddie looked at me and said, Daddy, I I need to tell you this. Um, I need to let you know that uh, uh, I don't know even that I believe in God. And I remember wanting to get my Bible out and go to preaching. And I remember the spirit of the Lord because he'll meet with you when you seek him. Telling me just shh, just shh. And, and I remember the constraining power of the Holy Spirit that kept me from preaching. And I remember hearing her and him saying to me, you've got to let her figure this out and go on the journey. I've got her. I'm pursuing her. But you want to talk about power, feeling like a powerless adult because here's what we want to do for them. We want to make it happen for them. And let me say something to you. You can't make it happen for them. Now, you can create the atmosphere, and You should. And you want to present the gospel and how you live, and you ought to do that. It gives them the best opportunity. But ultimately, the rescue, whether it be salvation or from whatever crisis, is of the Lord. And as much as you love them, uh-oh, here's the, here's the shattering truth. He loves them that much more. Now, I know you can't believe that. You don't believe that. There's no way for us to really get that, but it's true nonetheless. And so I remember her saying that to me and I'm just, and, I, and every time I'm saying, I'm going to wait on you, Lord, I'm going to wait on you. And she's saying, Daddy, I just, that's all I've ever ta- heard, it's all y'all have ever taught me. And you know, when I was a kid, I did, you know, I went there, I was baptized, walked out, but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if I even believe all that. And, and the words coming out of my mouth that were not my attitude were, well, baby, that's something you're going to have to figure out as you go along. If it's not real, it's not real. And then walking away thinking, what did I just say? Um, he's a light in the darkness. Even in the darkest hours, he's a light that's shining. So we go on down into in verse number nine. I will bear. Now listen, because because Mike has been talking about the culture of the, the crisis of the culture, the crisis of the leadership of God's people. But then he says, in the middle of that, in the middle of that, instead of getting frustrated, mad, and point fingers at people because because you know where there's a lot of parts to be played. He said, instead of all of that, verse number nine. I will bear the indignation of the Lord. Because help me out, somebody. I've sinned against him too. The crisis of the moment and the people to blame and who, what's going on, uh, is, it's, it's a whole lot easier to deal with when you realize you know what? There are no perfect people on planet Earth. And that I also have sinned in my life. And so it causes you not to look at your daughter and say, Why'd you do this? Because you understand she, like you, is a sinner by nature. And you look at other components of the story and how it happened, and you, instead of getting angry and bitter and, and all those things, you, you, you understand that you also are a sinner, just like every person on planet Earth is a sinner. Even even those walking with Jesus have the capacity to do bad things. Did you know that about me and you? We do, we have the capacity to do that. So, notice that Micah says, I, I'm acknowledging my own sinfulness. I'm not just pointing fingers. I'm not just going to lay on my bed and be overwhelmed, depressed, angry, frustrated, anxious about everybody else's situation. But I'm going to acknowledge that I have, I'm a sinner as well. Because I have sinned against him. Until he pleads my case and executes justice for me, he will bring me forth to the light. I will see his righteousness. So I want to parallel with James 4 again and give you, it's there in your outline, James 4, 8 and 9, he says, uh, as he says, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. The rest of that phrase is, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Y'all know me, I love to laugh. I absolutely love to laugh. I'd rather laugh and do just about anything. But in that particular season of my life, the laughter had been turned into lamenting and mourning, and it was beneficial for me. Can I say that to you again? Uh, in the midst of crisis, you can understand he's still God, and it's beneficial for me and you when we, when we face hard things. Because he's good, and he's good on the mountain, he's good in the valley, and he's, every, he's good everywhere in between. And so we're able to confess our own sinfulness and find in him joy in the midst of our suffering. And our laughter sometimes is turned to mourning and our joy to gloom. And it's, it's okay because he's still God in the gloom. He's still God in the pain and the suffering. He's still God. Now, I, I'm not, and I need to be reminded of that. And Maddie's not. I need to be reminded of that. And neither is anybody else except God. And so we own our own sinfulness. It helps us to understand and process when crisis comes our way. Number three in your notes there, and this is, well, we just have one more after that. Y'all must be listening fast because it's getting close to lunchtime. Number three, we need to, in the midst of crisis, number one, seek God. Seek Him, even when you don't feel like it, even when you're frustrated or angry with Him or confused about the circumstance. Seek Him, seek Him, seek Him. Uh, and and in the midst of that, because we know isolation is going to breed defeat. It's a place. It's it's, listen, isolation is perfect real estate to lose the fight. But if you draw near to Him and draw near to His people. And we talked about the help of God's church. We're reminded of that over and over. Uh, we acknowledge our own sinfulness. And then, and then, third, we seek godly counsel and support. Would you look at that? Maybe write a note there. There, I want to give you a verse again in, in James chapter 4 and verse number 10. Uh, he says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Did you know that to be true? Humble yourselves. What did I do when, when this information first hits me? It's, can I just say that on that day that I got that phone call, there was what will I'll just say this is the understatement of the year. There was information overload. You know what I'm talking about? Like I was like, whoa, Lord. All this information had come my way from all of this, you know, and it settled in in my heart. And I'm, I'm having this. And the first, the only thing that I knew to do is to reach out to some godly men who I knew would understand that for three days I couldn't get any words out. Just tears. Nothing but tears. No words would come. That's never happened to me before or since. And I remember saying that I need to be around some men who love God, some men who uh, can, can speak when I can't speak, who can pray when I can't pray. And, and, and I remember I, that I got a group of them together and, just, and we just went and sat and I, I, I just cried. you know, I just sat there and cried and they cried with me and prayed with me. And I want you to know that today if it weren't for that group of men, I would not be standing here today nor would I be standing here again on Sunday or last Sunday, the Sunday before that. Uh, I don't know where I'd be but I wouldn't be here. And the, the presence of godly counsel and the help they were for me as the church uh, was amazing because they didn't say, Well, now, wait a minute, you're a preacher, your household's supposed to be in order. And they didn't take the Bible and beat me over the head in my crisis. And I beg you, never beat your friends down in the middle of crisis with the Word of God. And they just encouraged me and they prayed for me. And uh, let me just say, uh, we need, in your notes there, there's a statement that, that struck my heart. I was just kind of saying, God, help me to speak from. What we've been through. And here's a statement that was formulated in my heart and life during that time. We need help making a plan when our hearts are crushed within us. I didn't know what to do next. You ever found yourself there? Wait till it's your child. You just don't know what to do. You can't think ahead. You can't plan ahead. You can't, all that you've learned, all that you, listen to this, all that you've preached, you, you, it's, it's like you can't find it because the hurt shadows and, 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 and dulls your vision and, and, and causes your ears to not be able to hear as clearly. And then you have some people around you that love God that will speak into your heart and speak into your life and help you formulate a plan. I'm telling you, listen to Proverbs 15, 12. Uh, Without counsel, listen with me. Uh, Without counsel, plans go awry. But in the multitude of counselors, those plans are established. And I just thank God for the counsel of other people, all right? For people who love God and loved us. Uh, Next statement, I'm coming on down, one one mark there in your outline. Uh, Here's another statement formulated in my heart during that time. We do not need to be the only voice that we hear. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because if you're the only voice that you hear, if you're the only counsel that you seek, you'll develop blind spots. And blind spots, notice what I wrote there. We develop blind spots due to our, read them with me, pain. What else? Anger. What else? Anxiety or? And there are other things that you could add to the list. And those things cause blind spots. You with me? All of a sudden, you don't hear the Word of God counseling your heart. All of a sudden, thoughts of uh, quitting or thoughts of retaliation or thoughts of anger or thoughts of... You with me? All these thoughts will come in and cloud because, well, our voice when we're hurt... Have you ever figured this out? Hurt people hurt people? And so it's like an animal. You know, you can... You can have an animal, and that animal be your family pet, and oh, you love that thing and take care of that thing, but then that that pet get injured, and I'd encourage you, don't try to touch it, because I saw a family pet of ours bite my dad one time that would never, never bit anybody, you know, was loving his dog, but was injured, and when my dad reached to touch it, it bit him, because, well, hurt people hurt people. And in the midst of that, you and I need people in our lives that can speak past our hurt. And in our time with the Lord, as He seasons our heart, prepares our heart, that He puts people that are His, and I mean authentic people. Listen, I'm not talking about an occasional churchgoer. You off tracking with me? Whatever you do, don't bear your soul to the occasional churchgoer. You better have a group of people, a group of other parents, a group of men, a group of women who love God and walk with God and won't beat you up, but will love you and encourage you and challenge you and pray for you and. Oh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable the power that's found in that counsel. Uh, verse, uh, Proverbs 12 and uh, verse 15 says this, uh, the way of a fool is right in his, see the blind spots? You, you start thinking this way and you say, oh, well, this is, I'm right for feeling this way. I'm justified for feeling this way. But he who heeds counsel is wise. So I'm going to give you two names, uh, and these guys, you know, some, some of y'all may know uh, Wayne, uh, but Troy Bush is a friend of mine that I actually met in the Pastors in the Outdoors ministry, and as this thing was unfolding, I sent him a message because I knew that he had <coughs> a daughter that had gone through some similar struggles, and he, well, he was a little older than, than Maddie. And so as I sent him that, I asked him to be praying for me and to be praying for us, and uh, he, his text back to me uh, ticked me off. You ever you ever have somebody text you something to make you mad? Uh, and when you're hurt, it's easier to be angry than it is to be broken. It is. That's why most of the time when we're hurt, we become angry, mad. It's easier. We, we feel like we're owning that. And, and so for me, uh, he sent me, I'm like, who's this Joker think he is? Tell me that my joy can't be found in the sobriety of faithfulness of my daughter and my children, but it has to be in the risen. I'm like, who is he? And then the Spirit of God reminded me he's the guy whose daughter who's had a heroin addiction for 15 years. He's the guy who's faithfully preached through that. He's the guy who was a missionary overseas through that. He's the guy who's still walking with Jesus, still loves Jesus, still authentically walks with Christ. And so I'm like, whoa, you know, I need to back off of that old hurt mentality and be broken and listen to what he has to say. So I'm going to read you the text message. I messaged him this morning, and I said, hey, I'm going to be sharing a little bit of the story this morning. And I said, um, I just wanted to thank you again for being the voice of God in my life when, when my ears were a little bit dull of hearing and my eyes were a little dull of seeing, a little dim of seeing. And uh, I want to. Can I, can I read you all? That would be okay if I read you the text that he sent me that day. He says, brother, know that I'm praying with you and her. I've walked that tear-filled path with my own daughter, and I have seen God's hand do a gospel and grace work in her life that was beyond anything I could have ever imagined or hoped for. Let go of any pride. Now, you're going to see why I'm starting to get ticked off. Let go of any pride or fear of shame. Walk in tender righteousness, putting on your armor, and go to war against our adversary who are not people and your flesh for the sake of your daughter's soul. Our hope our comfort, our joy are not found in the faithfulness of our children. Right now more than ever, your little girl is watching her dad walk with Jesus in the midst of crisis. You cannot do this. You cannot overcome this. But in Christ, you already own the victory. Walk in him and know that I'm praying for you. Now, you, can, you, can you, I know you can't really put yourself in the Mental condition that I was in, but you, can you can anybody in here start to see why when I first read it, I was a little bit ticked off? No, y'all are thinking no, that's the kindest thing I've ever heard, and that's so kind. Not, not, not in that moment it was not, and I'm thinking, don't tell me to be happy because Jesus is risen from the dead. Didn't this sound ridiculous? My thoughts were, and don't tell me to be happy because Jesus is risen from the dead. My daughter's over, here, you know, and then the Lord just used it because that was a blind spot that crisis had produced through hurt. You see, my own voice was counseling me wrong. And yet, godly counsel, God used a man to speak life to me. And boy, I'm going to tell you something. It changed everything. It changed everything. Let me give you another one. Uh, Wayne Surgeon is a dear friend of mine who's been actively involved in my life since I was a teenager or maybe even a preteen. And part of that journey, uh, he would always ask me, you know, he called my name, he'd ask me how many tackles I had in the football game. He's, uh, part of that reason that Brian was mentioned in those guys' names, um, he's one of the reasons why when the family came and picked me up from my house where everybody's still asleep and took me to church down in Crystal Springs all those years uh, was because I knew this guy, Wayne, was going to be there. And when he was there and he saw me, he's going to call my name. And he's going to say, Terry, how you doing, man? It's good to see you. And to have somebody call your name a man a grown-up man, I was a kid, you know, and he'd call my name and talk to me and, and ask me what God was teaching me. He'd ask me, what's in your, and I'm thinking, "I don't. What what is a quiet time? You know, what is he talking about? And he would share with me what that meant, and then as that developed, he expected me to give him a response when he said, tell me what Jesus is teaching you this morning and how that shaped me and formed me. But, but we went to lunch one day at Ruby Tuesdays, and this was about the fourth day when I was able at least to hold the tears back enough to get words out. And as we're eating that day, he leans back in his chair and begins to smile. Now I'm thinking, this is not the time to smile. You you know what I'm talking about? I'm thinking, why are you smiling? And this biggest smile, and it wasn't just a, it wasn't just a faking of a smile. It was a smile that was evident, came from his soul, you know his eyes lit up his face i mean I, and i'm thinking to myself what is wrong with you i thought i knew you what are you you should be crying with me what's wrong with you and his words came out here's what he said he said you know you know Terry i know this I, he said i know the devil's overplayed his hand what he thinks is going to destroy you is going to make you and Tina better and Maddie better and and i remember leaning back that day and thinking this thought could that even be true could that even be true but having in the midst of wanting to wallow in it, in the crisis, uh, in the midst of that, hearing that voice of godly reason and counsel say, yeah, there's hope in that. Now you may be in the waiting room for a while. You may be in the waiting room for a while, but you're not in the waiting room alone. You're in the waiting room with God, hallelujah. You're in the waiting room with the people of God, If..." You want to isolate yourself. If you want to isolate from him, you'll continue to seek God. If you want to isolate yourself and not continue to praise him and seek counsel from his people, uh, then he'll meet you there. And boy, what I found out, here we are. You know, you look on down the end of the road, and here's the last thing in your notes there. It is to trust his faithfulness. Now, I added this verse after you had that note or that outline. So would you write in your notes there 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 3. Just write that notation there. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 3. Okay? In a quick review, what, 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 how am I supposed to parent? How am I supposed to raise these children? How am I supposed to, when, when, we, when we find crisis, number one, seek God. Personally seek God. Never stop seeking God. No matter how bad the pain, no matter how much your eyes see or your ears hear, how you can't understand it. And I'm telling you, sitting here today with young children, you, may, you have no idea what could be ahead of you. But life is full of crisis. It is. Um, And so we seek God. Next is uh, acknowledging our own sinfulness, knowing that there is the potential and possibility of situations because we're sinners. Third, seek godly counsel and support, okay? And then finally, trust God's faithfulness. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 3, okay? I'm going to read it to you. Dustin is so wonderful. He already has that pulled up for us, and he didn't have that either. Read this with me, if you will, in your seat. But the Lord is, he's what? Well, you say it like you mean it. God is And notice there's a but, so there's a contrast, right? Because people aren't. You're not 100% faithful. I'm not 100% faithful. You're, oh, here's a newsflash. That little baby that you hold and, and, and you just love it on and watch them do, you know, they also aren't faithful. Nobody on earth is faithful 100% except God. But the Lord is. And there's our hope. There's our hope, looking at the culture, looking at time and thinking about our kids and, 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 and knowing that they've got a lot of cultural change ahead of them, but to be able to have hope, because, not because the world is faithful, not because, not because the school system is faithful, but to know that God is faithful. You don't have to be afraid of tomorrow or the next day or what happens next. He is faithful faithful. And when the crisis comes, you'll have to tell yourself that. And somebody else will have to tell you that. God is faithful. Who will establish you? Read on with me. And will guard you from the evil one. I'm looking back now this last week and thinking about the fact that I remember hearing Maddie say to me, Daddy, I don't know how to have sober fun. And I I remember not being able to relate to that because that's not been my struggle. And I'm, I remember praying through and processing that, and I remember, I remember one Sunday night getting a text message. She'd been home for a couple of months, and the text message said, and it was Sunday night about 10.30, and the text message from her bedroom to my bedroom says, Daddy, are you still awake? Now, they say, Daddy, D-E-D-D-Y, that's what they type it in, that's what they call me, Diddy, all right? And she said, Daddy, are you still awake? And I, I go, y- y'all know what my thoughts went to, and I'm just being honest with you. Uh-oh, what's happened, what's going on? And because she knows I'm awake, I'm, I'm wired for 440. After preaching on Sunday night, man, I'm, it takes me forever to gear down. And she says, Daddy, are you still awake? And I say, yes, question mark. And I remember in that moment, a little bit of fear, a little bit of uncertainty. You hadn't been there with your child yet. When it comes, you'll know what I'm talking about. Didn't know what was going to come back. And she says, will you come to my bedroom? And I'm thinking, oh, boy, oh, boy. And I said, of course I will. So I get up out of the bed and praying. I'm praying. Oh, God, whatever I'm about to hear, prepare my heart. God, whatever she's about to ask or say, I don't know. I don't have any wisdom. Give me wisdom. I'm praying all the way to that. It seemed like a five-mile journey. I go into her room, and, 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 and she's got, it's dark. She's got a little light, little, uh, light beside her bed. And she says, hey, uh, uh, you know how you said before that, uh, that it had to be real for me, that he had to be real for me? And I said, yeah, baby, I remember She said, well, I want that. And uh, whew trying to hold it back. <clears throat> she said, would it be alright if, if we prayed together and I invited Jesus to be Lord of my life. I, I, I want that. He's real to me and I want that. And What do you think I said? <laughs> I, didn't get, I didn't get any words out. I just went to bow and you know getting down on my knees beside her bed and, and listen to me when I tell you this. Trust his faithfulness. Uh, I remember hearing those words coming out of her mouth. God forgive me for the things that I've done, how I've hurt mom and daddy, how I've and would you come in and save me and, and be my Lord? Listen to me. I remember baptizing her after that. and I remember watching her take care of Swayze and raise Swayze. I remember, I remember seeing her hold Morgan for the first time and thinking to myself, now she knows what sober fun is like. <clears throat> and so what I want to say to you is that life is full of crisis, but here's what you can rest on. He is faithful and good. And what you need to focus on is loving them and raising them his way so that they have the best opportunity for when all the temptation comes and all the cultural garbage comes, they are ready and prepared. They've got a faith family, and there's a whole bunch of folk that go here uh, to plug in or helping them or they're teaching them, they're they're investing in them, and you are and they are, and you're taking serious, you're taking serious little things like, little things like because I listen, I've lived a while, I've got grandkids now and 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 I watch as Jackie faithfully posts those those additions to the, what they do so that you can take them as parents. And I watched like three people like it. And I, and I don't know, that's not a complete indicator, but the chances are high that most of you or some of you in here have never even used that with your children. And there it is for you. I mean, it's right there. All you gotta do is get it and then, and then to just do it. I mean, you don't even have to go exegete Leviticus. And, and I want to say to you that those little things are so very important for preparing them for temptation and avoiding crisis so I want you to know we're for you and we're encouraging you and I want you to take every opportunity that you have to raise them and and and, and lean on the church as your help and, and and family worship and guiding them through technology and all the stuff that they've got and oh as a single parent as a grandparent and parenting again all those things the, the truth of the whole weekend is that God is faithful so live for him Live the mission of your home before you do anything else. Listen, if you're thinking about what teams you're going to sign up for and you're thinking about how you're going to go on mission trips with the homeless and overseas and all that, and, and you're not focused on your child and you're not leading devotions in your home and you're not praying with your babies and you're not reading. Scratch all that. Take your name off the list. Because your first mission is your home. And I believe in you. And Jackie believes in you, Martha believes in you, and April believes in you, Gerald believes in you, Brian believes in you. And we're here, that's what we're here to help. Cheer you on, equip you, have you ready. I can't wait to see what God's going to do with your children. I can't wait. I can't wait. And I know this, even though there's going to be some crisis, here's what I know. I don't know it just because I read it. I know it because I've lived it. God is faithful. Now I want us to pray together. Can we do that for just a minute? Will you pray with me? I know I'm surprised the weekend's over as much as you are. But if we could just for a moment be still and be quiet before the Lord. I want you just to, for a minute, picture your your babies right now, if you could do that. Picture them. You know, you may have one, you may have two. Just picture them for a moment. You see them? You can say yes or no. Do you see them in your mind's eye? Are you having a hard time figuring them out, or do you know exactly what they look like? You know exactly what they look like. Because you stare in their little faces or their big faces. You know them. You know what makes them happy. You know what makes them sad. You know how the, some of them are really wired for 440. You know some of them are kind of laid back. Not many, but some. You pictured them? Can you see them right now running, in your house, running through the house, running in your yard? Can you see them in your, in your mind right now? Now, can you see them? Put five years on them. Can you see five years from now? Just kind of imagine for a minute what they'll look like in five years. Now, now for a minute, just sort of picture, if you can, picture them for just a minute. Think about what they're going to look like when they're walking the aisle, getting married. Or they're applying for their first job, you know, out of college or, you know, out of, out of high school. I want you just to see them there. I want you to see them the first time that somebody puts drugs in their face. Now, I know she, maybe she's 10 months old. I know it's hard for you to think about that, but I want you to think about the first time because what happened for Maddie was at the bathroom at the school somebody offered her Adderall to help her make better grades. And you don't think that can happen because you're not going to have her in in, in places where that happens. But let me tell you something, it's everywhere. And so I want you to think for a minute about the moment that she faces that temptation, the moment that he faces that temptation, when they're alone together in the car and the sexual temptation is so strong. You know, y'all know what I'm talking about. And would you see all the temptations all the tests all the trials all the stuff that's ahead of them and would you for just a minute realize that you are their number one resource to have them ready please don't let it go by it's so important don't focus so much on kicking the soccer ball and focus on the foundation of Jesus and his word and ways in their lives so that they're ready when they face temptation Will you pray for them right now? Pray for them out loud by name. Would you do that for just a minute? Just call their name out loud. Just take a moment and pray for them. Pray for your babies. Some of y'all got a lot like me. You're going to be praying for a little while. Just call their names out. By the way, you ought to pray for them constantly every day. Cover them in prayer. Now, the next thing I want to do is I want to invite those that are here and there's a husband and a wife that are here, mom and dad. Would you all just lock hands for a minute? Will you just reach over and and grab her hand, sir? Will you reach over and grab her hand? Just grab her hand and pray for her. Will you pray for her right now? Pray for her right now as uh, the woman of God that she, listen, that will you pray this for her, that she wouldn't be the one that's responsible for their of their overworking attitude, or that she wouldn't be the one that's responsible for, uh, for their uh, quick temper, or, or, but that she, instead, pray this, pray that she would be responsible for their prayer life. That, that, that your daughters would see in her the kind of woman that loves God and prays and spends time in the Word, and that would be reproduced in her. Would you pray that for her? Maybe she didn't have that. Maybe her mama wasn't that way, and so would you pray that for her, that God would empower her to do that? Now, if there are single moms in the house, would you raise your hand for me? If you don't mind, I know this could be awkward. All right, there's a couple. I'm going to ask some of our ladies if you would go and pray with each other. Will you pray that with each other? If you're sitting by, lady, or if you see, lady, raise your hand up so the other ladies can look around the room. I got a few ladies in here. I need y'all to help me. Okay, we have got a few here. We got we got one over here. I need y'all to just sort of move around and find those ladies. Okay, quickly, quickly, quickly. If you'll just find, hold your hand up so they can find you, and uh, they're just going to pray over you. They're just going to pray over you for a minute. Pray that for me, ladies, if you will. Pray that. Pray this. Oh God, would you help them as a single mom? Would you help them as a single mom? Because they've got a tough task, man. They're trying, to, they're trying to do both. Would you pray the Spirit of the Lord would anoint them for the task? Uh, that they wouldn't uh, be overwhelmed by it, but they would let the Spirit be the wind in their sails that drives their ship to the right destination. Would you pray that for her right now? Are there any single dads in the room? Would you, would you raise your hand if there's some single dads in the room? Any at all? Got one? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So Dustin back in the sound booth. I need somebody to go pray with him. Thank you, Ryan. Y'all just go pray for him. Pray for him as he's striving to be a godly example. Take just a moment, and pray for each other. We have any grandparents in the room that are parenting? Anybody? Got any grandparents that are raising their children? I see one. Any others? Just hold your hand up for a minute. Would some of y'all please move around right now and would y'all hold your hands up for a minute so they can come and find you? Got one over here. It's hard for me to see. If y'all go around and pray for grandparents who are parenting, I can tell you me and Tina did that for about six months with Swayze and I'm gonna tell you it's a, ooh, my goodness, whole new ball game. Anybody else that, that I'm, I'm missing? If you're grandparenting as a parent, would you raise your hand so they can come pray for you? Okay, take a minute and pray that God would empower them. It's different when you're a little older than than having children when you're younger. Challenging. So we're praying right now for the Spirit of God to empower us to live the mission of our home. All right, I think we've done couples, we've done single mom, we've done single dad, we've done grandparenting parents. Um, if you're here and you're a part of a blended family, would you raise your hand? I'd like for somebody to come around and pray for you. All right, we've got hands up, so y'all just find those that are in blended families, that those that aren't, if you will. Y'all hold your hands up, let's move quickly, all right? If you're not part of a blended family, find somebody who is. They have their hands up, y'all hold your hands up for me, okay? And go find them quickly, 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 and just go pray for them, pray for them. Blended family is challenging. Have mercy is challenging. So, would you go pray? Just go put your hands on him and pray for him. Come on, y'all. We got Gerald up front. Nobody's seen his hand up down here. Come pray for him. There you go. Moving around. Just moving around quickly. All right, one more time. If you're here and you're part of a blended family, raise your hand up so we can see you. We don't want you to go unprayed for. Any others? Just slip your hand up. We're moving around, coming to find you and praying. Pray the Spirit of God would bring peace and unity and joy. And just begin to pray. Anybody here in the blended family that doesn't have somebody praying with you? Will you raise your hand up for me? Raise it up. Anybody? I can hardly see, so y'all forgive me if you're out there and I don't see you. All right, just pray. God to help them, that God would help them. He will. Listen to me. He's all sufficient. He's sufficient in the single home. He's he's sufficient in the the home with mom and dad. He's sufficient in the grandparent as a parent. He's sufficient in the blended family. Because the whole point of what we're talking about is that he's faithful. He's going to get you through. He's going to help you. All right, the last thing I want us to do before we close the weekend, okay, is this. Uh, I want to have our... Uh, minister, our our pastors, our ministers that minister to our children and youth to come down front. So I need, I need uh, let's see, April, Martha, Jackie, and Brian. I need four chairs right here down in the front. Halfway. Will somebody do that for me? Thank you guys and ladies. Four right there facing out and enough room in front and behind please. Four chairs. And if y'all could go ahead and make your way down, those ones I just mentioned. And your spouse, if they're here. All right, so I know Taylor's here, isn't she? And Cable's here, I think. Taylor, well, it's whatever you think. Okay, yeah, yeah, do that. Y'all, if you will, slide them up so we get halfway and they can get, people can get behind and in front. All right? All right, y'all go ahead and be seated here, if you will. And uh, and then once they get seated, I'm going to invite you guys to come and to pray for them uh, as they've been assigned of God to minister to the specific group of people called our children, babies, uh, little kids, preschool, uh, student age, and uh, and also to minister to you. To, and, and, and as Jackie talked about, equip you, help you to be uh, the best version of you for the glory of God that you can be, all right? All right, who are, we, who are we waiting on just a few? Martha coming from the nursery. All right, we're going to give that just a second. Can I ask you guys a question as they are making their way in here? Um, did you learn anything this weekend that you think is beneficial to you as a parent? Uh, would, you, would, you, would you share that? <clears throat> would you tell people that? Would you, would you let people know your social media or face-to-face conversations? And because we're going to do some more of these in the future, and uh, we believe it's very important that we get the word out to help people know, okay? All right, so Martha's coming on in. Taylor's coming on in. Yeah? Who else are we missing? Is this all of us? All right, as they make their way down, Taylor's here. And this everybody. One, two, yep. All right, so I'm going to invite you now, if you would, to come out of your chairs and just come all around them. In front of them, behind them, on uh, the side, the left, right. And would you pray the Spirit of God would give them fresh wind and fresh fire for the assignment of ministering to our children. Dustin, can you play a little something for me? Just saw something in the background would be wonderful. And y'all just take your time. You can go to one, go to the other, you know, pray for them, pray for them out loud, pray for them silent, however the Spirit of God directs you. You know, prayer changes things. Prayer changes people. So we're asking the Spirit of God to give them power, to keep on keeping on. It's a very important ministry. It's critical. God bless and touch and move and empower. A lot of times the preacher preaches a whole long time, and they faithfully serve and faithfully encourage and instruct. They've got a team of people that they're encouraging and helping along the way. So just pray for them. Pray hard for them. Pray fervently for them. God, I'm so thankful for a praying people. God, I'm so thankful for these mamas and daddies and grandmoms and granddads. I'm so thankful for them. I'm so thankful for instruction, encouragement. I'm so thankful, God, for the prayers of your people. Just hearing people call out. I'm so thankful for the impact it has on the people that are right now being prayed for. The weight of ministering to children and young people and babies and everything in between can be very taxing, Lord. And so I pray that as you hear the prayers of your saints, Lord, that you'd bless this group, that you'd empower them, and that they would know beyond the shadow of a doubt how thankful we are for them. I pray, Father, today for the mom who's feeling overwhelmed, the dad who's feeling overwhelmed. I pray for the one who the enemy is now... Trying to use the information, the encouragement, instruction against them right now. Beat them down. Make them feel like a failure and worse than. And, and I pray against that. I pray in Jesus' name you'd hedge them. You'd protect them. Uh, that, Father, they would, you'd silence the voice of the enemy. Just like you shut the lion's mouth and the, the Daniel's, the Danny went in. God, I pray you shut the enemy's mouth. And that these parents, instead of condemnation, they just hear encouragement. Some adjustments that need to be made. Some fresh fire and passion in some areas of their lives. Oh God, help them to hear conviction and not condemnation. Lord, I, I stand before you and thank you for the potential of these children governors and presidents, teachers and lawyers and doctors and plumbers and asphalt workers and missionaries and pastors. And Lord, I pray you'd raise them up. Raise them up to be a generation that loves you and, and changes the culture around them. Father, I pray for each one of these that you'd shield them from crisis. And yet, if crisis comes, that they'd be prepared. They'd anchor to you. And we'd be reminded together and individually that you are faithful. As I stop, Lord, I pray now and thank you for that crisis. I thank you for it. I thank you for the good work you've done through it. I thank you for the good changes you've brought in my life and Tina's life and Brooklyn's and Anna Grace's and Riley's and especially Maddie's and Morgan's and Swayze's. I thank you for the hard days and difficulty and the tears. and Thank you for the church, the people of God. I thank you for the encouragement of your word and your spirit. And I thank you that we get to gather again tomorrow. And we get to set the table for our children, for them to see how important it is for us to be, be the church have to be present to be the church. So we bless you and we thank you. Somebody just tell him thank you this morning. I thank you. Thank you for our children. Thank you for our grandchildren. Now, Lord, as we leave this place, I pray we'd be encouraged by fresh fire, fresh wind. And our children would benefit because of it. And you'd be glorified. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we make our cry. And everybody said together, amen and amen.